advice, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And tonight, I am joined by two of our usual co-hosts, Jason and Uncle Mark. Say hi. Hooray! Hi. Hey. We're the pretty ones. You're the pretty anyway. ones? We're the pretty ones. <laughs> That's in honor of the passing of Ned Beatty, who was told he has a pretty mouth oh. in, his, in deliverance. Okay. Classic. I, I wasn't Ned aware. Ned Beatty passed away. I wasn't it's aware sad. that he passed away. Last week, I think. We're going to talk later about someone else notable that passed away. Yeah. Although notable people have interesting. People have opinions as to how notable he is. <laughs> Oh, he's he's notable. But, oh yeah, you know. he's. I'm telling you, someone should make a movie about his life. But anyway, that's not our main topic for tonight, even though it probably could be. Mm. Sorry, I'm also working on tweaking some stuff in the stream. That's okay. Take do your it, time. Steam is having a sale. Do it. Oh, it's time for right just before we go live. Jason's like the Steam Summer Sale has started. So I'm like, Ugh, now they're must both not. They're both look. looking to buy games. Dude, I'm just curious. I have, I have so many games I own that I have yet to even launch. It would be probably—I wouldn't say it's a war crime if I buy more games, but it's certainly uh, a not a wise decision. But you know, I'm gonna look. <laughs> it's a crime against gaming. I is that what you're saying? Something like I might play this one day. I may someday, and, and then I play this, game. and then I just launch Valheimer Flight Simulator. You know? Oh, right. Hey, that came out for my computer. Hmm. Oh my might have to get that. Jason's gonna be distracted the whole time tonight. No, I, I like going in and seeing if, if any of these, these games that I put on, because I, I, I put pretty much anything on my wish list, and uh, yeah. most of them are Windows games that I can't play. So, See, I have that problem um, with, uh, with Jeep parts and camera gear, except it's an Amazon wish list and not. You keep putting Jeep parts on your list that don't work on your Jeep? No, I put Jeep parts that on my list. That explains a lot of things, like that door that stopped working. It cost a lot of money. Vehicle. And oh, some of no. them... Some of them might not work on my Jeep, but then I figured out how to make them work on my Jeep, and then, you know, that's a whole other well, thing. I guess technically I could play the Windows games if I installed Windows on my machine or got a Windows machine. Either way, that feels too expensive to me. Jace Gar says give all your money to Steam. That is true. Anyway, I mean, tonight... Your money on worse things. <laughs> so if you guys tuned in for our last episode, you might remember that I went on for an hour about my history and how I got into IT and... You know, maybe went a little too far back, telling you how I learned the alphabet on a freaking uh, TI in my parents' living room. Um, this week, you guys all asked for it. Well, a lot of you, folks that are active in our Discord community and even folks on social media that commented and whatnot, they want to hear Uncle Mark's story. So Y'all are um, insane. Yeah. So, Jason, you better get ready because there's going to be a future episode unless you're totally opposed to this. <laughs> <laughs> where you're going to be put on the spot. <laughs> so tonight we're going to hand the reins over to Uncle Mark, and he's going to tell us, uh, I'm assuming so, in, in song form, uh, <laughs> how he got no, into IT. And hang on. We're, we're right. going to stick, to, uh, we're gonna stick pa- to regular speaking. There's, oh, there's good. I don't, no, okay, I was going to say gonna I need to find the mute button. No interpretive dance or anything? No interpretive dance. No okay. interpretive well, dance. Well, that's one thing you haven't done yet on the show, so... No, no one wants to see Maybe that. I mean, I, I suspect that people really don't like the singing, but uh, we're definitely not doing interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, yeah, Mark, take it away. I don't know where you want to start. I mean, we haven't we haven't rehearsed any of this, so no, we haven't. So I, what I'm fond of doing is pointing at the Apple II behind me, uh, and saying, "Hey, that's my dad's best friend's old Apple II that he bought when I was in seventh grade, and that's how I first got into this." But that's actually not completely true. Back um, in the day when dinosaurs the walked the earth. And the right, Apple II right. was new. And Mark was already old. Yeah, back when Jesus was riding <laughs> velociraptors around, stuff like that. Um, the fir- my first with lasers? Real- la- yeah, well, velociraptors okay. with lasers, that's the only yeah. way to go. Yeah, okay. right. Um, I actually was intrigued originally by all things technological, especially electronics and whatnot. So I would occasionally, uh, on at least one Christmas, I got a, a Radio Shack electronics kit, the one with the little springs where you would put the wires in, and, like there'd oh, be a yeah. spring on either side of a resistor. There's like 101 springs projects on the in one. Yeah, yeah. The, the projects here, right? So my first actual computer, I'm going to link the YouTube video in the Twitch chat. That is the actual first computer I owned, which was the Tandy digital computer kit. Nice. It. Yeah, it had these sliders that uh, that basically were switches and you could do logical circuits with them. And you slid this 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 uh, plasticky thing across the top and there were lights behind it. I found this video, this YouTube video of a, of a lady who's a serious, you know, she does she does a lot of her own projects and whatnot. And she actually restores one of these. But this Tandy thing was the first compute computer. We'll air quote it that I actually that I actually owned. So, but the first real the first real real computer was the Apple II. Um, and that. So my dad's friend Everett got the that Apple II when I was in seventh grade. My dad actually bit the bullet and bought an Apple II my freshman year in high school. Um, and it was funny because back in the 80s, you had it, it was like you had this whole class warfare thing going on. Like we were the Apple family. And then I had a lot of friends who like couldn't afford an Apple. So they'd get the Commodore 64 or the VIC-20. Like I had an Apple. My friend Jack had an Apple. And then I had some other friends and stuff who who had to go with the Commodores because they were less expensive. But it was a it was a fantastic time, man. And that was the start, really, of the platform wars, right? That was a platform war, I think. Right. Purely, purely driven by the economics. I mean, I can I can remember in the in the mid 90s or I guess early 90s when I started to tinker with computers. That was that was still a thing, right? It was still very much an argument. Apple versus PC. I mean, it still is today, I guess. Sort of like Apple versus that, Android. <laughs> that argument, the, the Mac versus the PC, is one of the longer-running uh, nerd wars, followed by, followed by obviously, Linux versus Windows. And preceded Although by Star Mac- Wars versus Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> VI versus Emacs. Yeah. But, you know, Mac versus PC is the one that your no- average normal person probably stands the biggest chance in knowing in terms of the tech stuff. I mean, Star Trek versus Star Wars. I think of the Taco Bell commercial. Why not both? And then Battlestar Galactica enters the chat. I so, agree. There's there's a perfectly great line from the Dresden Files. Jason, I don't yeah. know if you, if you remember the line, but uh, 
what was it? Uh, this is the post nerd era. You can like both now. You're allowed. <laughs> so, of course, so the Apple II. It's funny because yesterday Red Hat sponsored a coffee hour where we talked to Steve Wozniak. They interviewed Steve Wozniak and there was actually Q&A from the audience. That was kind of really cool. So watching that live was a bit of a nerdgasm. But the the, the question was asked, what do you think uh, the early personal computer revolution would have looked like with open source if it had been open source? And Steve made a really a really good point. The Apple II shipped with manuals that had not only the schematics for the Apple, but the machine language code for the monitor, which is basically the, the what was the BIOS. The program was called the monitor, and it was what essentially ran the whole computer. And most of the programs, at least at the beginning, were written in BASIC, which by its nature, the source code is right there. You know, you buy a, you bought an AppleSoft program and you loaded it from either disk or tape, and you could just do a list, and you could see how the program worked. It was, it, it was not that easy to obfuscate. So I actually grew up in an era where the first computer stuff I learned was you had to know how the thing actually worked. You had to, to pick up at least a little bit of programming to get anything done. Um, and that was just part of the deal. You just you learned basic. You learned you learned uh, commands. The first DOS was the disk operating system for the Apple with the floppies, not MS DOS. So so Apple DOS is the first DOS I learned. Um, and you know, it, everything everything was just shared. You had computer magazines uh, that would have programs printed in them, and you'd sit there and meticulously type them in and try not to make you know, typos. And if you did, the programs would crash. Uh, hopefully three, three quarters of the way through typing the program in the computer didn't like get shut off or crash because you forgot to save it to, to floppy or to cassette, you know, good times, good times, good times. So, indeed. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time in the formative years, but essentially as I rolled into high school, um, they had they started to have computer classes and they were based on the Apple and the programming language that we really were focusing on was Pascal, which was compiled. You'd, you'd write the source code in Pascal, run it through the compiler and produce a binary. And those binaries, by the way, um, like if you bought if you ever played Wizardry or if you ever played Galactic, Galactic Attack, which were two pretty popular games. Those were written in Pascal, shipped as a binary. Those were not open source. But me and my me and my best friend Jack, we were in the same grade. We we took the first computer science course when they were offering it to juniors or seniors. I think we were freshmen at the time. Um, I took the AP Comp Sci exam, I think as a sophomore or junior, and got a five on it. And my first one of my first jobs was teaching computer classes at the adult school that was run by the Tom's River School System. So th this was this is when you really had to learn the computer stuff to, to, to even do anything with your own computer. So so middle-aged people would walk into the classroom that was that was filled with Apple IIs, and this squeaky teenage boy with a really bad scruffy beard, aka me, would be standing at the front of the room saying, I'm Mark, I'm your teacher. 
I can't even drive yet. You know, I, I didn't say that. Well, actually, I had the job for a couple of years. So, so but I had this job before I had a driver's license. And I made pretty good money teaching adult school. It was it was fun. It's funny. I didn't I didn't include that in mine, but I I also taught adults in in high school. Um, but it wasn't specific to like programming or anything like yours. This was at the the tech school that I went to. Right. We well, would... this was teaching. Yeah, this was teaching word processing. Yeah. It was teaching. Uh, it was teaching like some DOS stuff. We had a night where we'd fire up the print shop and I we'd print out cards and banners and stuff. It was like an overview of all the different things a personal computer could do. Um, I think at the that point, visit, yeah, VisiCalc was a thing. So I'd show them how to do spreadsheets. It, it was a fun course. And I, once they got, and some of them, I don't think I ever had anyone upset that their teach, that their teacher was a teenage boy. And they actually, they, they, they grew to appreciate that. Like, the computer stuff was a thing for the youth and, and they kind of, I think they appreciated me bringing them along on it. It was fun. It was a neat time. I wasted so much ink and paper of my dad's with the print shop on his Atari. Oh yeah. The print shop was balling. <laughs> uh, Jay scar. Did I ever play with Fortran? There was a Fortran compiler you could get on the Apple, but honestly, Pascal was my, a basic and Pascal are the languages I learned. Fortran was like for old fogies that were on mainframes. Personal computers, you were using basic or assembly if you were a real god or Pascal. Um, but for, Fortran had kind of had its was was not really uh, applicable at that time on the Apple. Um, so I got into college, went to Rutgers, started as an electrical engineer, and. I'm going to be pr completely honest. I, I really didn't apply myself, right? I goofed off a little too much, drank a little too much, didn't really do the homework I should have done. So I graduated Rutgers with a, with a degree in English with a focus in creative writing because it was the most subjective thing I could take and still pass. But I had enough credits for a minor in computer science. Um, I so ended I'm, up... I'm just yeah. curious, right? Um. You obviously had an aptitude and interest in computers before getting to college, and yet you majored in English. I, I started as electrical engineering. Okay, sorry. And then I guess then I missed I that piece. Yeah, I, I, and I was pivoting to comp sci, but the math classes were too hard. Oh, so you? All right, I get it now. And I was lazy. I, I, I'm going to throw that right on the friggin' table. I was too damn lazy. College is like, a time when kids are sometimes lazy. <laughs> my 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 daughter just graduated Seton Hall with chemistry with a perfect 4.0 average. My son just finished his freshman year at Stevens in chemistry with a perfect 4.0. My kids are much better students than I ever was, which is great for them. You're not um I mean you're not the only person who works at the level that we work at that I've heard not specifically the role we're in or whatever. Uh folks in IT with experience like the three of us on this show have that have told me they weren't great students. I wasn't a great no. student either. I was, I didn't cover that when I talked, <laughs> I was right. I and, was like a again, straight C student. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not claiming I have any learning disabilities. I'm not claiming anything was stacked against me. Yeah. I was a lazy ass mofo who didn't do the homework yeah. and sometimes didn't go to class too much. Yeah. It's self-inflicted. Right. Um, but I ended up at red hat. So I guess I win. Yeah. I think it worked um, out. 
I, yeah, I feel like it worked out for me. It might have worked out sooner, I guess, if I had. Maybe. If I had, uh, but, yeah. and, I, and I wonder, would I have actually been happy as an electrical engineer? And I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe I would have. Maybe I would not have. I know I'm happy with how my career panned out to this point. So by the time I got to college, by the way, so my dad used to work in insurance. He, he, he worked for Prudential. Then he worked for Farm Family. He was an insurance agent, a manager. And the two of us kind of learned the computing stuff together early high school. And he said, screw this noise. And he just put a shingle out and became an independent computer consultant because this was the 80s and early 90s. And you could do that. You could do that. You could write your own ticket. There were still so, a bunch of those... I mean, I, I almost went to work for one mid-90s. I was a yeah. teenager and knew more about computers than most adults around me. So <laughs> he, he, he actually, first he started in a partnership with two other dudes, and then he just struck out on, on his own. And he'd write one of his, I remember helping him. He would pay me. I made a, a good amount of bank helping him. He, there were a bunch of car dealers in the Tom's River area. We would create programs from scratch where the dealer would type in the customer's information and it would then print out all that information on the multiple different forms that were required. So some of my, some of my first programs that made me money was me in my parents' dining room with, with a tractor fed printer. The dealers would give us the forms that would feed into them and figuring out the spacing and everything else to print these forms properly from the computer so they didn't have to be printed by hand. And again, we wrote the basic programs to do all this stuff for these guys. And that was kind of fun. I, um, so I had actually made a non-trivial amount of money for a teenager because of computing by the time I got to college. At, at Rutgers, I worked in, Tillet, in the Tillet Computer Lab, basically doing help desk type work. Although a bunch of us, my friends worked there. So there were many Friday nights where we'd be playing D&D in the computer lab. <laughs> and I feel a little bad because we were kind of loud and, and students were, legit, were legitimately trying to get work done. And I remember this scathing story that was in the that, that was in the one campus newspaper that basically complained about the Star Trek computer nerds that were too damn loud. <laughs> so I was I was I was a Star Trek computer nerd. Ah, if only you had been a Star Wars nerd would have been mm. all, all good. It was fine. <laughs> um. So I got out of college, took a job. My first job out of college was with a small family-run computer business. And it was an interesting little roller coaster ride, and they collapsed as the Gulf War started. Um, I then ended up teaching at a small private technical school in Jersey where I we, we basically would take people would register who were, were from like disadvantaged backgrounds. They had been factory workers or laid off or single moms or whatever. And we would teach them word processing database, database spreadsheet and stuff like that for them to get job computer jobs, entry level computer jobs. And some of my students ended up really doing pretty well. So that was, that was, that was kind of a cool position. Um, but it was a family run business, like the first one that had failed and working for those two companies taught me, you know what? Work, working for a family run business is not my bag. Um, Just I got of the married. Instability or the possible uh, strife involved in it? Uh, yes. Both. Instabil <laughs> instability, strife. And I'm going to say it, nepotism, okay. right? 
um, promises made but not kept, not inconsistent uh, policies, stuff like that. Small businesses are lovely in many ways through the lifeblood of our country, mm-hmm. but too many of them are run completely arbitrary with 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 no real policies or controls or, or safety nets. Well, that's, got, that's how that web host I worked for was was run. It was a small business, and the guy that ran the place just basically made up the rules on the fly, it seemed. He, there, like, there was an employee handbook, but it felt very much like he was writing it on the fly whenever it didn't suit what he needed to do at the time. So I completely get it. Yeah, and I find that frustrating because I'm a guy who, if I know what the rules are, I, I, that makes me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, so family-owned businesses are not for me anymore. It would have to be a hell of a deal. I got married. My health insurance through that company was not going to be adequate. So I went to a job fair and landed at this company in Lakewood called Micro Warehouse. They were a mail order catalog company that did Micro Warehouse, Mac Warehouse, Datacom Warehouse, a bunch of different. This is back pre-internet where, where one of the more popular ways to buy computers and software was mail order over the phone. Yep. Um, and I, I worked there starting in Mac technical support because, did I mention at Rutgers, Rutgers was a Mac shop. So I, I was a Mac guy back with the original 128s and 512s when the 512 was the fat Mac. So, so I started as telephone support for Macintosh stuff. I remember that I was in high school at that point. They had, we had um, computer labs full of those things. Yeah. Now I owned a PC which was not a Windows PC, by the way, because it was like a, it was like a 286 or a 386. So it was DOS and maybe Windows 3.1 eventually. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, they realized, hey, this guy knows Macintosh and he knows PC. So I did cross-technical stuff. I, I, I used to joke, and this is completely inappropriate for 2021, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this was... Forgive me, this was 1996. I used to joke that I was bitextual and that my customers didn't mind. Um, yeah, again, right? Doesn't quite float in 2021, but, you know, history history is history. It really um, is, yeah. Right? And then, so after, after doing the, the cross-technical stuff, um, I then ended up as a product trainer where um, I would help develop training modules and onboard the new employees who are coming in, because remember, Micro Warehouse, we're pulling people in off the street now. You know, this is this is grandma who wants a part time job or this is someone just out of high school. And they're expected to get on the phone and talk about Ethernet and RAM upgrades and things like that. So that was that was really hard for him. And that's where the when I was a product trainer, that's where the persona of Uncle Mark was born. What I did is in Quark Express, I developed this thing that I called Uncle Mark's Tip Sheet. And one of the Mac, one of the Mac techs, his name was Fred Galpern. I still remember Fred. He drew a black and white picture of me uh, digitally. It's, it's, it's the icon that you see on some of the, in some of the Red Hat stuff. And okay. so Uncle Mark's Tip Sheet, I would like go over a specific technology or a product line or something. And then I would make 200 copies of this, this thing and hand it out to the salespeople. And they, these guys loved it. They ate it up. They'd have them pasted up in their cubes. And it was just looked upon as a really cool resource. Because remember, pre-Google, 
Oh yeah, right. Free internet. Like that wall was Google for them. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Uncle Mark was really born out of my product training job at Micro Warehouse. After that, I ended up becoming the senior manager of tech support. So I was I managed some managers as well as the pools of techs for both uh, Macintoshes and PCs. And Micro Warehouse, was, it was a fun company to work for, and I probably would have stayed there for a really long time. But in May, in, uh, in December of 1997, they did a massive layoff. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of us were cut, and I was one of them. Uh, they gave me a severance package. I had jury duty in January. I had just recovered from pneumonia. <laughs> so I, I went and served, I served jury duty. Uh, that was a fun little trial. And then started pounding the pavement. I ended up doing consulting work for Merck. They hired me as a desk, uh, desk side support in Rawway in the basic research area. And that was basically, you know, monitor cases, go out to the user's desk. They had a lot of, of Macs they were using, although some people were using NT351 as their workstation. And, and, and right, basically help people, oh, the email's not working, or how do I print this document, or my computer's failing. So really fun, and made a lot of good friends there, had some good experiences. Um, In 1998, I was chilling in my office because I, I became quickly a deployed support tech for a specific area because I knew, my, I knew what I was doing. So instead of pulling tickets from all the the departments I had, I was the deployed support for immunology and rheumatology. Um, great group. Still love those guys. I'm sitting in my office and I'm just surfing. I'm surfing Slashdot, I think. And As you would I, in 1997. Yeah. And I was like, I come across this thing called the Halloween documents, the ho- whatever, Halloween papers, whatever. Uh-huh. And it was basically a rant against Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about open source software and Linux. And I had I had heard of Linux, but didn't really know anything about it. And reading this, reading these Halloween papers, I'm like, whoa, this is cool. And what it really hit, what what really hit me with, with it is it reminded me of the Apple days where you had to know your shit to do stuff, where all the code was there where you could see how the computer really worked because by that point in 1998 neither the Macs or the Windows machines were really open anymore they had become yep. more of an appliance so i, I mean, had a purchase i have trouble calling a, a late 90s computer more of an appliance i guess more than they used to be yes they were still relative man they were still very much uh, you had to know what you were doing to really be proficient at them but you're right. As, nah. as compared wait, to Linux wait. of the era or computers of 10 years prior, absolutely. We were past where you needed to make a boot disk to squeeze as much conventional yep. memory as you needed to yep. play Wing Commander. It was getting boring, let's be honest. So I had a budget, so I ordered a copy of Red Hat Linux, which is the box for that is on my shelf next to my Fedora. Yep. I found it, and it's now on my, on my shelf. And I had a desktop, I had a compact desktop that was a work machine, and I had a ThinkPad that was also a work machine. So I nuked my ThinkPad and put Red Hat Linux on it, Red Hat Linux 5. 
and I brought it home that weekend. And I, t I often tell the story. It was, it was a hell of a feeling getting X working in 256 colors. <gasps> it was, it was a rush. You're bringing back memories. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and, and so what I ended up doing with Linux is I slowly, I, I, I ended up trying a couple of different distributions and I settled on Slackware for nerd points because Slackware you would you would download tarballs and and compile from source. Mm -hmm. It wasn't this it wasn't this wussy RPM thing. I mean, you no, still you had built that. everything from source. You still had that on Red Hat as well, but yeah, you still had RPM to fall back on for some packages, not all. There were a lot you yeah. could not get an RPM of. But Slackware Slackware was the distro that had if if you did Slackware, you were like nerd foo guy, and I I was in for the cred at that point. I wanted Slackware because it was baller and I, because it would show I knew what I was doing. I knew a guy that was very into Slackware. And, you know, I remember LimeWire. I, I had a Winamp on Linux. I downloaded so many illegal songs that have that are I still have in my <laughs> library. They've gone from device to device to device. A lot of those were downloaded via LimeWire using, uh, well. using my Slackware laptop from 20 years ago. Yeah. That's right. Configure, make, make, install. Um, so, desktop support, I ended up as a Merck employee, not as a contractor. And desktop support was all well and good. But as I started dickering with Linux more, I'm like, I'd like to work on this. Because I felt like the age of being a Windows or Macintosh des desktop support guy was coming to an end. Like, I felt if I stayed in that role, I might end up redundant. So I applied a few times when various Unix or Linux positions came up at Merck. And in 2004, I ended up in the office of Fitz Algu, who was the manager <coughs> of Unix and Linux. And a friend of mine was the team lead for Linux. He had worked in Rawway with me, and then he had moved out to White House. Rennie DeMarco. Um... And Fitz is looking at me and, and we're talking and he's like, you seem to be very talented, but your resume is a little light. And one of the things I had showed him was the work I had done with Neverwinter Nights and Nordoc, the, the, the persistent world I used to run, and a lot of the Linux piping and stuff that we use to make it work. And Fitz is like, man, I, you, you're just, you're just, you don't really have the stuff in your resume that, that we're looking for. And I remember... I looked, I looked across the desk at Fitz and I said, Fitz, all I'm asking for is a chance. Hire me and give me a few months. I'll do what it takes to show you I can do this job. And if I can't come up to speed quickly, feel free to fire me and I'll find another job. And he looked at me and he's like, I like your attitude. I think I want to give you that chance. Now, mind you, I had several young children at home. This was not a move that my wife had authorized. I basically, <laughs> I basically, please, please. <laughs> yeah. Give me the chance. And if it doesn't work, then, then just, you know, get rid of me. Yeah. But I, I want the chance to show you. Um, and I went from junior Linux admin to Linux admin to Linux engineer to, by the time I left Merck in 2015, I was the big Linux fish in that pond. And it was a hell of a ride. And then uh, a buddy of mine, Russ, some you know him. Yep, I think you know him, Nate. Mm -hmm. He he had left he had left uh, Merck for Red Hat, and he calls me in December of 2014, 
and says, hey, there's a position open in Red Hat I'm on our team. So I got all excited. I put my resume in. And Red Hat went radio silent on me. There was this huge layoff in January. Like, they cut 30% of the IT staff. I was one of the lucky survivors. At Merck, not at Red Hat. At, 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 at Merck, right? Let's clarify that. Um, Red Hat doesn't at, generally at, lay people off. So far. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, oh, great. I get to stay here and do more work with fewer people. <laughs> and then, awesome. then Red, Red Hat called me at the end of March. And I started the interviewing. Oh, my God. And then it moved so quickly. I turned in my resignation at Merck after 14 years on May 4th, 2015. Happy Star Wars Day. And I did it on that day on purpose. <laughs> and then started at Red Hat uh, June 1st, 2015. And I just, I'm in my, I'm start, I just started my seventh year at Red Hat, which is pretty, pretty uh, fantastic. But that's, you know, that's the story of my career with some bits of, some bits of, uh, my Linux story. I'm the guy who did. I actually was internet famous before that was popular. Um, yeah, right. Uh, let's see here. Oh no, it helps if I spell it right. So back in the late '90s, there was uh, uh, there was a uh, uh, there was a um. Never uh, a D and D game called Neverwinter Nights, where you could do persistent worlds. Yep. And these are the forums for my for my world that I wrote, the Land of Nordok. And it was it was originally just uh it was originally just a world I made. And these forums, by the way, do not have all the history. This looks like a, a rebuild. Um, but I was interviewed by Linux Magazine. Let me see if I can find that link. I remember reading this because you, you you told me about it. And I thought that's pretty building awesome. a better game Linux Journal. The funny thing is, I was playing Neverwinter Nights around the time when you were running Nordok. Yeah, and I I'm yeah. almost positive I remember visiting the server and trying it out. Yeah, because no, the, the name sounded game. familiar Li even yeah. before you told me about it. Linux Journal back in 2003, they interviewed me. This is when I was 36. I'm a little older now. <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was an amazing experience building the land of Nordok, building a, a community. And one of the things I did, and this was directly because of being inspired by Linux, what a lot of people do is they would build a persistent world, they would host it on their server or servers, but they were the only ones who had it. I built Nordok and actually cre did a public release version of it where I essentially said, here is the module. I release it for free. People can do whatever they want with it. They can, they can change it. They can, they can host it themselves. It is basically, it, it is basically open source. Just, you know, give me credit as the original creator and do what you want with it. And it friggin' exploded. Because it was basically a ready-to-go persistent world for people who didn't want to start from scratch. And there are variants of it that are still running today. And every so often I sneak around on them and, and I'm very pleased at what I wrought. Just to check it out, yeah? 
just to check it out. And it's neat. If you ever have the chance to do something like that, uh, I highly recommend it because it's great for your ego. Neverwinter Nights was, it was a really interesting platform because, you know, very Java-like. Games, the, the programming was Java-like. Games today are all about produce the game, sell it to people, and then continue to sell them content. Where Neverwinter Nights came, and this wasn't the only game of that era that did this, but it's probably one of the biggest and the one that provided the most for you, right, out of the box. You'd buy Neverwinter Nights and you could just sit down and play it, but it was a D&D 3rd edition based game that came with a tool set so that all of the players, or I should say anyone who owned the game, could essentially run a D&D campaign. Correct. And you could take over monsters or right. other NPCs as the DM and talk through them. The intention was that DMs would like do a module. They never built it to be a 24-7 persistent world. Right. Right. And so many people jumped up and created add-ons and plugins. And we did this, we did this hacky little thing where it could where there was a binary plugin you could run on the server that would snoop memory locations, which allowed you to attach it to a, to a, to a database. So we actually had a persistent database on the thing that could save player states, save other states. So it was like almost friggin' enterprise level. It was, it was really, really fun. That's pretty cool. Ah, but yeah, we we're all a little bit older. Yeah, that's right. Jay scar. <laughs> little frozen. The the D&D group that I was playing with at the time, I actually tried to get them to switch over to, well, not 100% switch over, but we were all computer nerds as, I don't know, I don't want to stereotype too much, but face it, computer nerds in the mid to late 90s, um, or I should say D&D players in the mid to late 90s, were probably also computer nerds, just face it. Anyway, we were all computer yeah. nerds and we were playing D&D, so... I tried to get us all into Neverwinter Nights because I thought it would be fun to be able to design worlds and play that on our on our Friday nights, uh, just oh, yeah. as something different. And uh, they never really bought in, but and I don't know if it really ever caught on as that. People turned it into just an online game. They turned it into pers persistent worlds, and well, it was pretty cool. What you what you got to remember is that back then you had EverQuest, and then you had stuff like Dark Age of Camelot was coming <coughs> out asheron's call yep eventually wow yeah i wrote i one of the reasons i wrote nordoc is that we just had my son joshua and and i do well right now but i was fucking broke like i didn't have money i you couldn't justify spending 10 but bu 10 bucks a month for an everquest subscription yep but i want i wanted that type of hard monster killing gameplay with brutal death penalties and stuff so that's why I wrote Nordoc, and that's why Nordoc was intentionally hard. It was brutal, and some people complained about that. I'm like, no, that's that's my vision. You can take the you can take the um, public release and tweak it and make it more friendly. Knock yourself out, but my official Nordoc, you you earn your experience, and when you die, you lose experience, and you have to go get your stuff back. Like all the stuff about EverQuest that that was that was sometimes really frustrating but made it such a satisfying adventure when you won. Yeah. There was a main quest that that required ridiculously ridiculous attention to detail and 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 people were like this is hard, this is impossible and then people would solve the main quest 
and be like, wow, that was awesome. So, you know, very, very fond memories of that. So it's still online, I get, right? I mean, the forums uh, are still up. Is the game the still forums up? There is there are still official Nordoc forums. I'm a member of one of the Facebook groups that that uh, for the official ones and people people still chat. I haven't played myself in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I nowadays I generally play other things, but I do I do occasionally poke in and see what's going on. I've got I've got good friends, good internet friends that I know only because of that, who I've stayed friends with on social media for a very long time. One of the one of them I when I had a customer in Texas, I actually my friend Gary. I met him I met him for and his family for dinner because he lives in Dallas. I met him through Neverwinter Nights. And then later we formed a gaming group that did WoW together, that did Star Wars Galaxies together, that did EverQuest 2 together. Star Wars Galaxies. You know? I remember Star that, Wars yeah. Galaxy. That was fun. That was so good when it first came. Yep. So bug ridden, but the original version of the game was amazing. <laughs> it was so and then they tried, and then they t- then they tried to turn it into WoW, which made me sad. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're gonna, if you want to play WoW, play friggin' WoW. Don't don't try and make every MMO like WoW. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should do a uh, uh, a group streaming night where we'll both log into Nordoc, play for a bit. Well, you know, <laughs> Valheim, yo. Well, yeah, Valheim's no, no, I get that. No, scratching I mean, my itch now. I mean, it would be fun, I think, to check out Nordoc. And if you want to I come own... along for the ride, that might... Because you can still run Neverwinter Nights on a modern PC. It's not one of those games yeah, that died actually, when modern processors killed it off, right? I picked it up on Steam for some ridiculously low price. I think so I did, I, too. Are we, we going to do the Iron System in Nordoc edition? We should. We might. We, should we, we, got a bunch, we got a bunch of stuff we need to do. We need to install yeah, the RAL 5 thing. on a VM. Yep. And yeah. make X we'll work. Just, we'll just add this to I the mean, list. Yeah, we got to make X work. We can't. We can't just be satisfied. I was. We're at a terminal. I was going to do something. Yeah. Oh, you know what we got to do? We got to make sure we can browse to the podcast while it's live. <laughs> yeah. In mosaic. In mosaic. Something. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. So you know. So if I have to look back at at my life and my career, um, it's a, I've always it's always been about learning stuff being curious uh being able to look under the hood if i want to i've always been a gamer i told my wife when we were engaged look on i play games i play board games i play card games i play computer games that's not going to change if that's a deal breaker you know go away and and so that was fine that worked out um and yeah this it that but that whole thing of of being a nerd and wanting to know how stuff works that that led me to Red Hat, which I joke it's you know it's almost not fair that they pay me to do what I do because I basically play with computers all day and give customers advice. I mean, not that I'm not going to take the money because it's awesome. Yeah, right. Because then I can buy stuff. Right. It's funny. I was I was thinking about it earlier because um, so you you wrote a similar article to this before I was hired because I remember you showing it to me the, the what it's like to be a TAM or whatever what, what your day is like as a TAM uh, yeah enable sysadmin has sort of a group of of uh, articles that they're trying to produce you know what is it like to be a X and like site re- site reliability engineer system administrator like like what do I do as this whatever I said what well, is it you do like here? do you want me to write one 
about what it's like or what it is to be a Tam. So I've been thinking about ideas about what to write in that article. And um, one of the things I came up with was as a sysadmin, what I really loved doing was sitting around and learning new software and playing with new technologies and building new things for people to use. And what I really hated was being on call and <laughs> being a Tam takes away the on call and has the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. I I've joked with you it's it's like this is where old sysadmins go as a reward for all the years they spent on call. <laughs> right. That's so, that's one of that's one of the lines I use. Yeah. This is so this you, so you haven't written your article either? Oh, did you, are you writing one too? No, I yeah. haven't. I started an outline. I haven't written it yet. Yeah, so so vibes been busy. Mhm. Mm I know the feeling. But soccer season so is almost over. Kids soccer season. So now I'll actually have some time back as soon as my Jeep is running again. That's the other thing that's been sucking up all my time. One of those one things lead to another problem sort of problems. Anyway. <laughs> so that's that's I I would say that's, you know, that's that's the ballad of Uncle Mark. I don't know if anyone has any questions or or what, but so I've I've been copying down links and stuff and putting them into the notes. Uh, we may want to flesh this out a little more because I, I didn't exactly summarize it in an outline, but well, whatever. That's all right. <laughs> if you have anything you want to throw into there, then it'll be, if you do it before I get the show processed and posted tonight, we can. Uh, it'll be included in the show notes. So, folks, things like links to the Nordoc forums. This is stuff that Mark had thrown into the Twitch chat while we were going. Uh, the YouTube video he referred to about the 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 Tandy computer that he started with, right? Things like that. Excuse me, things like that. They're in the they'll be in the show notes, so we'll go with it. The Jeep just rolls. I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> I own a Jeep. I can say that the Jeep currently doesn't run because I discovered that the radiator was broken while I was doing a suspension upgrade. So that's what I mean by like snowball effect, right? Like I'm working on the suspension. I'm like, what's that drip? Oh crap. <laughs> so sad yeah so sad indeed so now i'm putting a radiator in the jeep and i haven't finished the suspension yet so yeah it that does, currently that doesn't does not sound fun to me currently doesn't i know that some drive. people enjoy that does, that does not sound fun to it me. is enjoyable we, we, we can certainly talk about this in the chat though i think for the moment what we're probably going to do is go to a break unless anybody had anything else they wanted to chat with jason did you have any questions for mark uh, Jscar has a question. What oh. What was your first computer game you can remember playing? Ah, there you go. Ah, so, wow. All right, no, wow if wasn't we're out talking. Yet. No, <laughs> I, I, I think what we're gonna have to do is probably count the Apple II because I don't remember playing a real computer game prior to playing on the Apple II. Um, so. Everett's computer came with a couple of things, but the game that I absolutely can remember playing was a little ditty called Apple Trek, which I am booting up now on my retro pie. You, wheel, uh, you can wheel it over. Good. It's almost I in can frame. Wheel it. It's almost Loading in, in a draw on the language card. <laughs> we'll, uh, ah, we'll point the camera down. Where basically you you fly around in the Starship Enterprise and you kill Klingons. So we're gonna set up our own. We're gonna say we're gonna have twenty five Klingons. We're gonna have four bases. 
and then the self-destruct password will be fish. And then so my my dad, Everett, and I would gather around the computer in Everett's den and play this together, figuring out the best strategies to fly around with the Enterprise to kill Klingons. So this is probably this is probably one of the the first games I actually remember playing. There were a couple of other games that were on the Apple uh, that that shipped with it. Um, but this there was a Star Wars game that was really pretty terrible, where you basically <laughs> tried to shoot TIE fighters. Um, there was uh, some like animal guessing games, but Star Trek was my Star Trek was my my bomb. Love that game. Um, yeah. And then what happens, my uncle Terry, who lived down in Florida, he, he actually seriously inspired me. He's really part of my story, and I wish he was still with us. But he would send me up cassette tapes full of games, and he would narrate in between the programs to tell me about them and, and all this other stuff. But he, he, he's, he's uh, probably one of the, my earliest mentors. He, uh, he got me into computers and electronics as well. He'd come, and vi- he'd come up to visit and talk electronics, talk computers, and just have a good old time. So he was really super excited when I got into computers as a profession. Uh, he passed away when I was early in my Merc career. I wish he had been around to see me get to Red Hat. Yeah. And I kind of, when I, when, I, when I got into Red Hat, I wrote a, uh, I wrote, uh, a post on Facebook about that. Let me, let me see if I can find that. Uh, Facebook. Anyway. I'm I'm looking I'm looking on my profile. Facebook has changed has changed crap around, and it's sometimes harder to it's hard to find stuff you've done. It's always hard to find stuff on Facebook, I, in my opinion. <laughs> it's yeah. They do their best to uh, try to show you what they think you want to see, but when you're no, trying to like, find something that's outside of that algorithm, it's like almost impossible. Yeah, I wrote it using their when they used to have what they called notes search oh. profile. Here we go. Uncle Terry. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, is this it? That was from 2018. I want the one from 2015. Marcus just post. Here we go. Yeah, this is kind of this is kind of tr- my tribute to my uncle. I wrote when I uh, when I ended up at Red Hat. Is it public that we can? Uh, it's public, yeah. Okay, that'll yeah. be in the show notes, folks. But he was a uh, he was a great guy. Cool. And this actually has this actually has some of my story in it. And there's a picture of me as a tiny baby. Ah. At the bottom of it, and it was so. It was the friggin'. This was the late '60s, early '70s. So it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's a it's a picture of a a, a rock wall with like chiseling marks in it almost <laughs> almost nice all right so this has been a fun trip down memory lane i see jason is talking about wares in the uh in the chat it was yes, totally that's, that, wares that's what we call uh uncles sending tapes of programs yep. to uh to, well to people. And, he, and he even told me on one of them hey you know, just so you know, you shouldn't give copies of this to anybody else because a lot of these are things that people pay money for. I'm giving it to you because, you know, you're my nephew. But 
So he even kind of warned me not to not to share them among my friends. And he I was, did honor that. He was the software copyright warning before there was a software copyright warning. Even though he was the one spreading the. Even though he was the copy. one giving you the software. He was, he was the one pirating. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Uncle Terry. Love the guy. So yeah, that that yeah. Thanks for asking that question, Jay Scar, because that kind of that kind of led me back and made me remember. Because again, my, my, my I mean, my dad's fantastic. He and I learned this stuff together. So between my dad and my uncle, I had some really fantastic family members who who stood behind me and helped push me to where I got to. All right. So this has been a fun story, and now oh, I think you. we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna let it go, let it go. It wouldn't be right without some singing at the end. Now. <laughs> So we're going to go to a break, folks. We will be back shortly. I just need to find the button. Here we are. All right. We'll press be back in a button, bit. Press the button. Press the button. Are you a fan of the Iron Scissorman podcast? If you are, don't forget, you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash ironscissorman. Or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash ironscissorman. And thank you. Mark, how many Klingons did you get during the break? Uh, I destroyed three Klingons. I'm in a quadrant with a single Klingon now. Uh, I'm about to torpedo him, but I figured, you know, we're doing the podcast. The great thing about Apple Trek is it's not real time. You just walk away and you can come back? You can walk away and come back, yeah. I don't think... And it won't, it won't even burn to the screen because it's not a TV. Perfect. It's a flat, it's a flat display. <laughs> it's perfect. It is. <laughs> it's kind of tight. Perfect. Tight, tight, tight. It's all of the antiquated old software with none of the drawbacks, damn except straight. the software itself. It, you know what? It's still a damn fine game. Yeah. Like, it's based on Star Trek that was on bigger computers. The same, the same thing. And it's it's an, it's an awesome game. Like, it's totally, totally playable in 2021. There were some fun old games like that. I mean, I talked about the rejuvenation of the BBS project. Yeah. Last time we played, or last time we uh, recorded. And there's a lot of games, not quite that level that you're talking about, but a lot of like old ANSI games and text-based adventures and stuff that are on major BBS. Mm. A lot of them are getting a little more popularity now that the project has kind of rekindled. Like there's a game Indeed. called Galactic Empire that... Uh, the guy who runs the project or was running the project owns the rights to, and he's actually fixed up some bugs in it and made a new made a new release of it, which is like, Ooh. you know, I mean, this is <laughs> probably thirty years since the game was released. <laughs> he's he's it's finally had a new release. Pretty cool. So, anyway, we're back, folks. If you missed uh, Uncle Mark's life story, you should. You're just gonna have to go back and listen. Uh, to the recorded show because it was a fun story and we're gonna do our uh, housekeeping stuff so let's see here patreon we have the same number of patrons as we had last time we recorded and that is 21 of you thank you all 108 bucks a month we got aranami andrew tatro root is god bruce robert matt david solemn trooper ish linux sys 666 Gimpy B, Mark with a K. Just realized I didn't drop his last name from the notes. I'm going to take that back out now. Okay. Uh, 
our good friend, the mentor, the mentor, John, the nice guy, Mark with a C, uh, Julius, Andy, Charles, oh, Jake, sorry, Jake Clinton, skipped right over you, or him, totally not you, right? <laughs> and 22532, our old buddy. Two. So, thank you all. Uh, just, a, just a reminder, folks, if you want to support the show via Patreon, just go to ironsysamon.com slash Patreon. Sorry, I don't think that works. Patreon.com slash ironsysadmin. And uh, there's several tiers you can join, some of which give you some interesting perks, some of which give you, uh, like, merch from the show. Some of you I owe merch, but you have to give me your addresses, otherwise I can't send you the merch. address there? So you're going to have to get back to me with that if you want your merch. But anyway, thank you to all of the patrons. That's the sound bitch you need. You need Arnold from Terminator. What is your address there? Uh, all right, and if you want to buy merch instead of becoming a patron and paying for it and paying for it and paying for it until you can actually earn some, you can just go buy some at Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash iron sysadmin. T-shirts and mugs and phone cases for, like, phones that probably don't exist anymore. Wait a minute. I, I've been I've been a patron forever. You have my address. Where's my merch? You're not in the right tier. <laughs> <laughs> you want more money out of me? Yeah. <laughs> Now, maybe we could work that out, but you already have a shirt. I think you do and anyway. Stickers. And stickers. Did I buy it for you or did you buy it? You might have bought it. No, I bought it. Um, I have stickers too, somewhere. Big pile of them. The ones that Jedi made us? Uh, I think so. I still have them in my bag that never leaves that corner anymore because I never go anywhere. But that's nah. changing. We're going to actually get to go out and do stuff again soon. <sighs> soon we'll be able to visit customers again. I don't. I don't understand. Go out to social gatherings again? I'm scared. It is scared. There's a world out there full of things that might might have COVID. Anyway, we don't have any new reviews this week, unless I miss them. If I miss them, please feel free to reach out. Let me know that I missed them, and I'll try to cover them next show. If you are leaving reviews and we're not finding them, please tell us where the hell you're putting them, because we can't find them. Yeah. So they're probably not very effective. I check iTunes. I check. Clearly not. I checked Stitcher. No, Stitcher doesn't have reviews. Does if they're bad reviews, we're okay with them not being easy to find. Mm-hmm. I have a review. We do come up as we, we we do come up as the number one podcast when you search for Iron System in podcast, though. Oh, good, good. We're number one when you search for specifically the title of our podcast. Hey, we'll <laughs> take what, the victories we can get. Yeah, we have a surprising number of fans from the UK, which is. I shouldn't say that's too surprising. I just, I, I don't know why, but I, I'm just surprised by the number that there are. I'm going to go with we have a surprising number of fans. And just that could be that. it. It's just there's a surprising number of fans. Somehow people enjoy listening to this, even though we go on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> Better than coming out second, coming up second. Yes, that is very valid. Uh, if you search for Iron System in podcast and we came up second, <laughs> then we we're be- doing trouble we're doing something wrong (laughs) yeah that would be terrible all right so that's our announcement stuff uh do we have any other announcements that aren't in the notes any upcoming things or anything like that that we want to talk about uh so besides delaware's happening november 13 14 we're going to be virtual again this year um because 
because it, pandemic and, and whatnot. I mean, you probably um, couldn't really tell, so you just fell back to virtual, right? Yeah, so we we've just been going that way because it, it's 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 too late to try to book the venue. Yeah, for that time. And, and if you had booked it know, earlier, and then it you couldn't have it in right. person, it would have been a so, waste of time and money. So the plan is next year we'll be we'll be back in person. Actually, we're going to do hybrid. We're going to do virtual and in person. Um, and the CFP is open. Um, I've got to get it posted up so that people can find it. But it is open if you want to talk. Um, you know, just let me know and I'll get you the link. But we'll get that out there soon. And yeah, so that's happening. And folks, B sides is a great conference if you think you're perhaps not good enough to talk at a conference, or if you're worried about not being accepted, or if you're worried about the content not being what people want. It's a great place to sort of get your feet wet. Um, I could be wrong, but it feels like they accept just about anything. Not not sliding. Don't make them the, sound desperate. I'm not. Good I'm Lord. not sliding the content that I have seen at B sides Delaware. Maybe it's just the caliber of folks that uh, <laughs> that apply that uh, that make talks, but wow. it's a it's a great place to it's it's not a huge conference. Like you're not going to be in front of ten thousand people trying to like get past your nerves. Anyway, I think I'm just digging the hole deeper here. My you point are, is, are. if you're worried that you're not good enough to submit a talk, submit a talk. So I'm going to be perfectly frank. I was seriously considering submitting a talk, but I'm in Disney that week. So I will not be submitting a talk. That's terrible. How dare you be in Disney that I week? Know. In fact, uh, I missed B-Sides Delaware 2019 because I was in Disney. So I guess you know, I can't. <laughs> it, it is virtual, so you could do your talk from yeah! Disney. Yeah! Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm going I no. It's 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 a family conference, so your entire family could be on the talk with you. Yeah. You could it could be part of your vacation. You could like rope in Mickey Mouse. Hey Mickey, how do you feel about C groups? Do you understand (laughs) that you like the opportunity your family is missing out on? I completely understand it. And I think we'll be riding the rat ride in Epcot instead. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> rat, rat, Remy's Paris Adventure opens October 1st. Oh, wow. So you I'm do it from, from your phone over, over you know, 5G or whatever. Ride. Because, you know, I'm sure you're inoculated and have all the extra antennas. <laughs> and, and you just do it on the rat ride. Jason, you're a good guy, but there's no circumstance where that happens. <laughs> Just terrible. I'm sure I can throw like money at you and get you to do it, but it would have to be a lot of money. I would have to have money. You'd have to have money to do it with. Yeah, and it would have to be a lot. It would have to be a lot of money. No offense, buddy. When is it? Thirteenth and fourteenth. Thirteenth, fourteenth. It's a Friday, Saturday. Oh wait a minute. Like wait a second. I might be on my way back from Disney by then. (laughs) Well, no. I thought we were going to be there on my son's birthday, which does not make me a horrible person. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I don't know. We're we're flying. Uh, I think I'm going to be. Why the f- is my vacation I don't know. I'll put that on the calendar yet. Whoops. Because you're a terrible Whoopsie person. Do. You haven't scheduled your backups person. yet. It's November for crying out loud. <laughs> I know. I put it. I put in for the time off. So I, I think we're flying. I think we're flying there on Sunday, the 14th. I could technically do a talk on the 13th. Hmm. Now I'm tempted. 
Totally should. I'm sorry. 13, 14 is Saturday, Sunday. That's yeah. Not Friday, Saturday. Yeah. 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 We're flying down on Sunday. If I remember correctly. It's a great Sunday. way to close out your uh, your work week. Do the talk at these sides and then I'm out going to Disney. Huh. <laughs> I could probably do a talk on the Saturday. Let me think about that. Nice. We'll just hound you. We got months. Oh, yeah. I'm OK with being hounded. Cool. Speaking of pounded, I have to hound my 3D printer now. Oh, it's still working. <sighs> Maybe this one will finish. It says there's six hours uh, left. Uh, Octoprint, huh? Yep. So since we're solidly into chat now, uh, you guys probably recall that I've been talking about this hex lamp that I'm trying to make. Yeah. We've heard. This is where it picks up a pile of, of it's failed prints. No, look, it's coming along, right? I keep seeing this thing on various calls I'm on with Nate. Yeah, you and it keeps it keeps getting more and more complete. Look at my hex lamp. Look. You can't look. you can't print look that. At my hex lamp. That's that's a copyright violation or something. Why is it a copyright violation? They're because hex. I've seen that design before. Well, whatever. This is the this is the design the dude that designed it <laughs> used. I was gonna try a different one and decided I just didn't have the patience. <laughs> but I've got the LED strip in it, but I don't have a controller for the LED strip yet. And as long as it doesn't fall apart, because it's just held together with super glue, it's getting along. The reason. Right, so if you take the Raspberry Pi out of your Octoprint, you can use that as the controller for the LEDs. Yeah. No, it's going to be controlled with an ESP8266 running WLED, which is a software Boy, package made for controlling you are just LEDs. All over that home automation stuff, aren't you? Yeah. And then it's going to be controlled with Home Assistant. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Me, on the other hand, I um, printed a duck. Oh, your duck that, that when it rolls, the head moves. I mean, that's awesome. I do have to say that's awesome. <laughs> I'm actually, and so I was so happy with the with the little gray duxy. Did you make it that bigger? I printed out the giant red duck? Yeah. <laughs> Although he, yeah, he needs a better service. And and what's neat about Duxy is that it's it's the class of things that print in one piece. Like it prints with all the stuff in place, and then you cut a couple of supports, and all the parts move. And that absolutely just friggin' fascinates me. The engineering required to design the STL so that you know it prints as a movable thing. I mean, how cool is that? It's pretty so cool. I put the Duxy STL under my section of chat. One of the one of the early things that I printed when we first got the printer was you, you printed that cat for Grace. If you remember that. Oh yeah. That it printed out in one piece and then it, it had those joints in it that would move. Oh yeah, the flexy the flex ones. Yeah. I, flex I printed cat. a dragon like that for my daughter when we first There's got the There's a bunch of flex ones. They're it was, awesome. It's pretty cool, right? It just I printed like out each black, wing and then I printed out the main body of the like dragon. Black magic. They snap like, together should, and then it, it's just it like shouldn't work. a flexible dragon. It's pretty damn cool. I love yeah. the concept, right? That it's it's printed together. Like it's printed as one piece and then you pick it up and it just works. Yeah. It's Pretty like cool. you kind of want to do like a 3D print of a pistol and it's all assembled and you just you pick it up off the bed and then cap a sucker with it. Boom. There's there's a From time to time I just go browse Thingiverse and Ooh. find cool stuff, which is probably where you found Duxy, I'm assuming. Of course, Duxy was on Thingiverse. Where else would it be? At, at the like at the top of my list on Thingiverse is a little a little gun that shoots. Is it Tic Tacs. Thingiverse? 
Oh, it's thing. It is Thingiverse. thingiverse. It's not Thingiverse. It is Thingiverse. Thing- oh yeah, I saw the tic- I saw the Tic Tac. There's a Tic Tac gun. You put a box of Tic Tacs on the top, and you can shoot Tic Tacs with it. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> Why have I not printed that? One? I don't know. Maybe you don't have any boxes of Tic Tacs. Well, I could. I would buy Tic Tacs because now <laughs> Just I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to wear a mask to the. Wait a second. Store. Do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. A Tic Tac so, gun is how you get ants. So when you put the box of Tic Tacs on the top of it, do you push it forward and it it cuts the the opening and just pops it open for Dude, you? I'm just gonna. I'm That'd gonna be awesome. That be... I'm gonna show you what it looks like. You just I'm gonna slap it in there out. and rack a Tic Tac and try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta get my printer running again. Uh, so the thing I was just checking on the print that I was checking on is so my wife is a huge Sailor Moon fan. You remember Sailor Moon, the the anime from like the 90s? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, whatever. I mean, it's a... I'm not afraid to admit it. It's a neat show. Whatever. I like anime. Okay. Well, shit. Her and Snub will get along. Okay. Snub, Snubs is apparently a huge Sailor Moon fan as well. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not a huge Sailor Moon fan, but it was an enter- entertaining show with an interesting story and whatever. There's better animes out there, if you ask me. But my wife loves it, right? So I came across a creator on Thingiverse... Who makes um, some of them are a little questionable, so I hesitate. I have a link to the model that I'm trying to print. If you look at his other works, some of them are well. You you might want to be careful who you're in front of when you look at them. But anyway, um, this particular one is a very cool model of Sailor Moon in this like really cool like action pose, and I've been trying to print it so that my wife could like paint it and put it in her craft room, and. He's got a couple other Sailor Scouts, Sailor Mercury and Jupiter and whatever. And I may print those as well. But I have tried like six times now to print this damn thing. And after about 10 hours of printing, the printhead jams. And the the filament, like the, the extruder, right? The little motor that pushes the filament in, yeah. wears through the filament. And then it just prints air for several layers until Does I figure always- out. Does it always fail at the same point? Because maybe it's an issue with the code. It's close to the same point every time. Okay. I don't. I don't understand what's what's happening and why it's jamming it. I don't understand. The the thing that's happening because I've done a bunch of research to figure out why the hell is this happening around the same time every time. It's um. They basically say that if the like, there's a few things that can cause it that'll make the the filament itself become too hard within the uh the 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 heat the hot end right and it'll make it jam like that um i'm wondering if i was using prusa slicer to do it and it defaulted to like 210 degrees which i think is too high for pla so i'm trying it at a lower print temperature this time and depends on the pla i generally print at 200 yeah this one's at 195 and i also the other thing i did was i turned the retraction distance down you know how how it'll retract to help prevent stringing? It was retracting like six millimeters, which doesn't sound like much, but I think it was enough that PLA, hot PLA, was getting up inside the Bowden tube, and then it was clogging up the Bowden tube. So I took it down to like two millimeters. So there's more stringing. It's not terrible, but there's more. But it's mm-hmm. it's gotten further so far than it has ever, right? So at it's this printing point. now. Yeah, it's printing at the moment. That's what I'm pointing at, even though you can't see it. Um, but it's at 65%, which is... I think the furthest it's ever gotten. So I'm crossing my fingers. I don't want to jinx it by saying that it's doing well, but it is doing better than it has before. So hopefully 
Better. It'll finish this time. I, I don't. If it doesn't, faster. I found a different model. I'm gonna try to print <laughs> because this is just. I've wasted half a spool of white PLA on this because <laughs> it gets so, so far in before it fails. So here's something I've found, and Jason, you've barely gotten to talk tonight. It feels so bad. You don't even have a section in chat, but I'm gonna still talk anyway. <laughs> Here, here's what I found. There are definitely PLA spools that are better than others. Like I have a set of, I have, I have a gray spool yeah. that is banging. You could, you can do whatever the fuck you want with this PLA, and it prints fine. My white, my current white PLA is fussy and my current black pla is not great yeah so yes. the, the, the translucent green garbage oh yeah yeah the the color especially with the translucents and the glow in the darks and whatever a lot of people say they're harder to work with and they sat around too long during the pandemic so i'm sure that some of them have taken humidity damage all, yeah. but all filaments are not created equal yeah so they're i not I try to stick to the same brand of filament. So all of the PLA I buy is Hatchbox. And what was the brand I was buying? PETG. Overture, I have not gotten. Overture, I have not I gotten. I have a, a, a roll of protopasta PETG that I have not been able to get. I mean, I think I jammed up the uh, the hot end, but I have not been able to get that to print right yet. Protopasta? Yeah. Is that what you can print food with and eat it? I hope. Yes. That would be awesome. I want to be able to print a sushi roll and just eat the sushi roll. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's, I, I basically want a replicator. That would be nice. So, I mean, that's really the future you, you of 3D don't... printers, I think, right? So you, you've said this several times, Mark, that 3D printing is at a stage right now where it's like, it feels very hacky, right? It's kind of like Linux, Linux was Apple in the II, 90s, right? old school Linux. Well, yeah. well, picture like printer printers, right? They used to be difficult well and then they were not so difficult and now they're basically an appliance right so that i think is where 3d printers are going when 3d printers become an appliance you've got a replicator there you go yeah printers like back in the apple days you basically had to write your own print driver for every single program that you wanted to print with yep pr pr number sign one turned on the line printer on the apple and then pr number sign zero i think would turn that printer off Yep. Um, yeah. That's like, the wrong replicator, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about the SG-1 replicators. <laughs> so we we just got done binging through Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis, and my wife is now working on Stargate Universe. And don't, don't watch Stargate Universe because Universe you're going to hate it. You're going to hate, hate it. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. Then the you're going to start to love it, and then it ends. <laughs> right right yeah yes don't watch it yeah we no, no I, I, I i enjoyed it right from the beginning but but yes you're right it, it ends abruptly and it pisses me off and we really need yeah. to have more stargate and i would very much it did it got it canceled. got canceled because the beginning of the series sucked no stargate fans apparently didn't like it <laughs> i got corrected I, I i got corrected on the internet about this okay oh okay okay um, why did it really get canceled allegedly the uh um the studio that was making it went, uh, went out of business. They they ran out of money. That's possible. So they they, they went bankrupt. That's um, possible. But I, I would very much like to to make enough millions of dollars so that I can buy the uh, the, the 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 rights to it and and set somebody on to making you know Stargate Mark IV. Yeah. So I mean, to be honest, um, Stargate was cool. a great series. Stargate SG One was great. Atlantis was great. 
SG-1 got weird by the end, but, I mean, it ran like 11 seasons. 10, what, but yeah. 10 season. What series doesn't get weird by the 10th season, right? Except maybe The, the Simpsons, which is in like its 478th no. season or something. <laughs> Supernatural got weird about, about the first season, so... Oh no no! I'm saying like a successful <laughs> se- a successful series, right? Uh, that is able to get to ten seasons. The tenth season is always is always not nearly as good as the first one. Supernatural was fifteen seasons, so it, yeah, and it was, but it was the, weird the whole oh, way through. The, stor- the storyline was never supposed to go past the fifth season either. Storyline of what? SG one? Supernatural. Supernatural. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the the original writer, um, basically after the fifth season, was like, "Okay, I'm done with my ideas," and walked away. I, and, they, he told the story he wanted to tell. And they're like, no, good. no, people like yeah. it. We have to keep making them, even if they're terrible. Right. At which point, every writer in the room said, here, hold my beer. And then God came into the picture and it was it was amazing. It was, yeah, supernatural. Um, they kept like just, they, you know how like in an MMO, the power, you've got that power creep and the power curve. Yeah. Like, yeah. Partway through its run, they basically, I'm going to say defeated God because he just, leaves like where the hell do you go from there he's like i'm done yeah. bye yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what the ending the 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 ending, i actually haven't finished it yet so. the ending was amazing i thought okay. it was done really really well i haven't seen I a single episode of happy. the show not one and it's got some fantastic it's got some fantastic what i would consider standalone episodes there's this one cheesy one where there's this high school that puts on supernatural the musical <laughs> and it's it's ball achingly funny. It's, it's fantastic. It's this all girl. This all girls. All girl. All girls oh. high school puts on Supernatural the musical, and it is just it's an amazing right. episode. And it's like uh, it's like there's certain episodes of Battlestar Galactica or Doctor Who you don't need to be a fan to really appreciate. Yeah, yeah. like Doc, like Doctor Who, you could sit just a sign. Even just a regular fan, but like you could fit a, sci- a science fiction fan in front of Blink, and they don't ever have to see any other episode of Doctor yeah. Who. They can appreciate Blink. Same thing with uh, both Thirty Three and The Hand of God with Galactica. Mm-hmm. Totally, you can appreciate those on their own. And the Supernatural, the musical episode, is the same way. There's also one where they end up as cartoons in the Scooby Doo universe. Oh yes, there's a Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely, gosh. my favorite Supernatural episode. Ever that, that was I could, that blew me away, and it was done so well. It was with the 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 the, the Scooby Doo characters have existential crises because they yeah. suddenly realize that everything. Oh no, they're not just you know real estate scam artists wearing masks. They're actually monsters are real. You know, it's yeah, it's really yeah, it was really good. <laughs> nice. So, so um, that was fun. Knocking these all off on a tangent. Yeah, that was quite the tangent. Um, I guess I'll finish up the stuff I was. So yeah, check out if if you're if this guy. I so back to the three D printing thing, which is where we started. Um, this guy does some really cool models, right? And he he's done things like Sailor Moon. He's done Princess Zelda. Uh, he did Link, but Link I think is a bust instead of an actual figure. He's just like you know the bust. He's know. decapitated Link. Uh, yeah, right. Um, but he's also done things that are. Not weird. safe for work. Not safe for work. I'll just put it that way. Not safe for work. So if you go look at his other models, just like none of them are explicit outright. If you look at them on Thingiverse, because I am, I'd imagine Thingiverse has some kind of Dude, rules about I'm, what you can post. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to go look, but I appreciate your input. 
Sure, but if anyone listening wants to go look, I'm just warning you. If you download a model, right. it may be a little more explicit than you're looking for. But the the things like the Sailor Moon one are not explicit, and they're actually really well done. They're really well sculpted, and um, to be honest, I'm really excited to see how the print's going to come out. Because if it has nearly the detail that the model has, it's going to be pretty damn cool. Nice. And the other thing I wanted to chat about... Um, is I've been tinkering around with distributed social networks again. This is like a recurring problem I have, I think. Jason, you might remember. I, I looked at, at Diaspora years and years and years ago. Yeah, here it's he goes still, again. It's still around. Like, it's still happening. There's still a thing. I actually stood up a pod. Oh, well, I mean, open source and, projects never die, so. Well, no, this one actually has... It's come a long way. The problem is... So... People are probably familiar with Mastodon. I mean, like, I can probably say Mastodon in a mixed crowd of IT people, and a good percentage of people are going to understand what Mastodon is. It's a distributed social network that's meant to sort of mimic Twitter. Mastodon uses... So, in the back end, it uses a federation protocol called ActivityPub, I think it's called, which is an open protocol which anybody can implement, and then you can be part of what they call the Fediverse. And... While Diaspora had that idea, they do not use ActivityPub. Um, so Diaspora's cool, right? And I really want it to be awesome. Mark Killamork walks over there, Killamork. I am. You can hear the awesome Poton Torpedo sound. I want it to be awesome, but the fact that it does not use a federated protocol that can be used outside of their own network makes me think that it's a little less likely to catch on ever. Like, even less likely than other competitors are. So I'm also poking around at one called Friendica, which is basically like a Facebook clone that uses uh, ActivityPub. So I don't know if they'll go anywhere, but I gotta be honest, I'm just, like, sick and tired of the popular social media platforms, and I don't know, I guess I'm kind of hoping there's something better out there. The blessing and the curse of these things is that there's no one there. Yeah, well, I mean, there there's people a, there, right? But it's not the people you want to interact with. There needs to be adoption. That's the problem you're running into right now. There's well, it's, no adoption. That's just the thing, though, right? It's the problem, but it's also the curse, right? Because if there is adoption, then there'll be people there, and the people that are there will be just like the people that are on popular social media. Because there's nothing to prevent them from turning other social media platforms into the same cesspool that Facebook and Twitter are right now. Then stick with small private forums, small communities, Discord channels. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that's my solution. I just kind of wanted to mention it. And if anybody's out there listening that's also uh, poking around at these things, I'd, be, I'd love to hear from folks and see if anybody's had some success finding like decent communities there that aren't just other IT nerds because that's basically what I'm finding there. There's really there's no like general public there. It's all just other IT nerds. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's not quite social media because social media is varied and you can find like, you know, your friend from high school there and stuff like that and it's just not a thing on these not Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you jelly bean. So yeah, that's uh, aside from all the Jeep work I'm doing, that's everything I've got. Yeah, what's wrong with IT nerds? I didn't say there's anything wrong with that. Isn't there a Seinfeld episode like this? Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, Mark, aside from Duxy, what do you got going on? So, my sister had had arranged for this Africa safari for my dad and stepmom, but my dad's having real problems with his feet. So it looks like my daughter and I might be joining her in Africa in February for a safari, which is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, looks like it could be actually kind of fun. That's pretty crazy. African safari. That is crazy. It's not something I've ever dreamed of doing and whatever, but yeah, that that it 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 definitely is something different. So that that kind of goes in the same swim lane as all the scouting and canoe trips and things like that that I do that aren't IT-ish. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be honest, right? So I've I've spent a ton of time the past like three months working on like working in the garage, doing Jeep projects, doing just like stuff that's just me in the garage doing things, right? And it's, I really want to just get out and enjoy the outdoors, right? So I've like promised myself that once the Jeep is done, this iteration, right? I'm just not going to touch it for the rest of the summer unless something falls apart and I have to fix it. No more upgrades, no more like tinkering, none of it, right? And what you're describing there with an African safari is like exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe not going to Africa, but just get out there and do something with the family, right? Right. Like, so we're, my crew that I, the Crew 76 that I just started, we're doing a multi-day canoe trip at the beginning of August. And that, so that's, you know, a couple of days on the Delaware. Really, really kind of fun. Yeah. Nate, Nate will take the Jeep in the woods. He Absolutely. actually goes, he goes off-roading. Yeah. That's what he, I own a Jeep that's never been in the woods. I, I own a Patriot. We, we got it because of foul weather and whatever. Yeah. That's what but, they're good for. They're not good for in the woods. I mean, you can do it. I know someone that does. I don't want to. I don't It'll know why. they get all scratched up and shit. They would do that on a Patriot, but they, they do. Whatever. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's their thing. <laughs> I, the last Fitbit I got has disappointed me for <clears throat> the last time. So I, I think I'm honestly, after talking to some friends who own them, I'm, I'm honestly, I think, about to pull the trigger on an Apple Watch, especially because I had a bunch of Red Hat rewards dumped on me this week. So that was kind of cool. It's funny. I, di- I didn't put it in the chat, but I, I similarly had some Red Hat rewards dumped on me, and I bought a gimbal for my camera. Nice. Yeah. So I'll be Red Hat rewards, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, Red Hat has this, because other companies do programs similar to this. Mm-hmm. But every employee gets a certain number of points a quarter that they can give to other employees for doing cool stuff. And you can turn these points into gift certificates and Visa cards and other stuff like that. Or you can so, flat out buy products with them through the through the yeah, store. However, that, I I suspect that those products are refurbished and returned products because I bought one that way and it turned out to not meet the quality expectations that I that I no, had. For I them. always either I either I always either turn my points into Amazon cards. Yeah, or that's exactly what buy, I did. I'll sometimes turn them into a virtual Visa if I want to buy stuff on Steam. Although I can turn these into an Apple gift card, so that's what I'll probably. I was this close to buying a drone. I had enough money to get an Apple, or sorry, to get a Mavic Mini. But I decided the gimbal would be a little more useful than a drone, because in order to use a drone for the stuff I do, you actually have to have a commercial drones license, and I really don't want to go down that path. Uh, Or or just don't get caught. No, well, so. If if I use drone footage in my YouTube videos, there will be questions. Like, it's flat out. People have been caught for doing this, right? 
because you make money on them. If you make money on them, you have to have a commercial drone drone pilot's license. How much is a commercial drone's license? It, I don't know. It's not a lot from what I understand, but there's also a test. And to be honest, I just don't want to deal with it. What am I in school? <laughs> yeah. So maybe someday, but right now it's not not a thing I want to put money into. I mean, I would put money into it. I would. I, it'd be really cool to have a drone that I could yeah, get some really... Yeah, you have a drone? Yeah. Like epic footage with and stuff, but uh, to be honest, I'd probably crash into a tree and waste five hundred bucks. Drones <laughs> fascinate me, but I haven't pulled the trigger on one. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. It's so funny because last episode you went from I hate watches to I think I might buy an Apple Watch, well, and now you're actually thinking about buying an Apple Watch. Well, and I, I had my I had my annual physical this week, and my numbers aren't great. Like I've gained weight. I know my blood sugar is not where it needs to be. I kind of started saying, screw it in October and stop counting what I was eating and whatever. I, I think I just got burned out with the way things are going. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a better mood because things are looking up. And I'm just like, yeah, I need to get back on it. And and one of the things is tracking the tracking the exercise. The gadget can so, help. Yeah. The gadget can help. So, yeah, I'm debating that right now. I'm thinking of getting a red one with a red band, and my wife is like, that's not manly. I'm like, but it's red. So. But it's red. So we'll see. I told you this last time. I like my Fitbit. It's nice. Um, I the, last, the Fitbit before this guy was good, but this guy's garbage. He Too quickly, his battery wouldn't hold the charge, and he got all flaky and shit. And I'm done with it. So I don't know. I love my Apple Watch. To it be honest, all the things I needed to do and, when, and and more. When I still had an iPhone, I was considering an Apple Watch. Uh, the price kind of scared me off, but I realized you can get older versions of the Apple Watch for not quite as much money. Um, and then when I switched back to Android, I, I mean, I which, don't think uh, you can use an Apple Watch with anything but an Apple. Which model do you have, Jason? Uh, this is actually the six. Is that the one that does the the EKG and the? Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the it's the latest model that's out. Yeah. So it does the EKG. It does all the all the bells and whistles. But it, I, you know, I use it in the morning when I work out. It tracks, you know, heartbeat and calories and everything else while I'm doing that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm torn as to which one I actually want. If I had an Apple device, I would probably go with an Apple Watch. To be honest, they the seem Siri, like they the seem like that, solid the devices. The one on my cart is the is the is the Series Six, but it's not. I don't know if this is the one that does the heart rate. Series the Series Six does the heart rate, yes. Yeah. So does Series Five. But do all of them do it? Do all the Series Six do it? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, yeah. The big differences between the watches are the material it's made from. And the size. So whether you get like aluminum or titanium. Titanium. Oh, has Apple upgraded the the aluminum premium now to, to, to titanium? There's aluminum, steel, titanium, and ceramic. Can I get a titanium MacBook Pro yet? No. That might be awesome. No, this <laughs> titanium is titanium is such a neat metal. Yeah, this is this is the titanium uh, series six that I have. I had a fossil watch that was made of titanium years and years and years ago when fossil watches were important. And 
are cool, right? And it was just such a neat, it was so lightweight and yet so rigid. It was just such a neat feeling metal. Yeah, I, you know, for the number of times that I've like hit this off of things, I, it, there's, you couldn't even tell. It's actually pristine, so. <clears throat> no, my Fitbit's mostly plastic and it gets beat up quite a bit, but it's survived and I haven't scratched the screen yet. Somehow. Anyway, Jason, you have any cool things to chat about today and then we'll get into the news? Uh, nothing super exciting. I got, um, I got a new toy that I haven't played with yet. I'll open it up and show the universe. That'd be pretty cool if we're broadcasting to the universe. We are. I didn't tell you activated that part. So, this is my new toy. Sounds weird over the mic, man. What is that? That is a touring pie. It is a, it is a, a each one of these slots on the board, you for can. one of the pie uh, modules? It's for the, the compute modules. That's cool. So, it, it networks them all together and. You're going to have a pie cluster. You can create a pie cluster, yeah. That's pretty um, cool. So, it just, I, I ordered it like forever ago, uh, months and months ago. And they, they finally shipped. Turns out uh, there was some sort of a, I don't know, microchip shortage or something. It is yeah, weird. You know, plus there's some manufacturing capacity was down for some reason. Just excuses. I think they just wanted to, like, sit totally. on the money for a while. Yeah, it's really, it's a conspiracy. It's the government it is. trying to prevent us from having um, So that, that showed up in the mail the other day, and I ran down to plug it in and check it out. And came to the realization that I don't remember where the hell I put the compute modules because I got them months and months ago. <laughs> I've misplaced so, my compute modules. Yeah, that's, like so a, that's a totally like they're like here. They're in this room. That. I just haven't found them yet. They're on that shelf so, behind you. I can see them. No, they're not on the shelf behind. Right over you. there. That. They're right over your shoulder. So, uh huh. <laughs> so, so um, my my room is my. I mean, it's it's cleaner than what it was. Um, Dude, I remember. Boxes. I remember your office at the college, and your definition of clean and organized is very different from mine. Oh my! <laughs> you can, I can walk through my room now. So. Oh well, then it is much better than normal. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit, little bit more cleaning, and 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 I'll have a place for everything, and uh, that's the plan. I don't uh, want you guys to think that that Jason is a slob. He just collects a ton of stuff. And yeah. every available area is full of stuff that he's collected. <laughs> it sounds like Jason might be a slob. Well, no, there's difference. Of, in my opinion, the difference between a slob and just like a cluttered mess is the 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 hygiene level, <laughs> right? Like Jason is not a disease carrying slob. <laughs> no, he no, there's has, lots of stuff, but it's clean. He has a bunch of cluttered stuff, is all. And to me, yeah, it's so a little too I, cluttered. I've been working on cleaning it up, and and once I get there, it'll 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 be nicer, and I'll be able to like move around in the room. You'll fill it back up with stuff again later. I know. So other than that, it's just been <laughs> kind of work, doing a bunch of learning a bunch of new CI/CD tricks, and building a bunch of uh, uh, build, basically building a new CI/CD setup for for my job. So um, I got to cool. play with. Uh, uh, have you heard of MinIO? It sounds familiar, but I don't know if I can play it. Apparently, it's a it's an open source S three replacement. Uh huh. So yeah, one of the I, think I have heard of it. Did yeah. So so um for uh 
I use GitLab. So when it, when you have multiple runners and you're doing and you're trying to cache things between Run, between jobs, um, because the runner, unless you set it up so that you're only using a single runner, which I don't want to do, I'm using a, a, a like a cluster of them. The the cache needs a shared medium to save files on, and it's S, it's an S, it has to be S3 compatible. Mm. Um, well, I'm not allowed to use S3, so I had to find a solution. So uh, MinIO is something I tripped over, and it works pretty well. So I've got that up and running now, and I'm quite thrilled with it. It's pretty cool. So that's been I've, my my latest. I've heard fun. I've heard that there's this this big company that has a storage solution that has an S3 compatible API. <clears throat> really? Mark, Mark, have you heard of this? I think the Crimson Haberdashery might have a commercial product for that. <laughs> but there's also there's also an upstream version of it. Okay, can I do Docker run container and it's up and running? Cuz if not, Seth's not quite that easy from what yeah. I understand. Mark might know more. Yeah. I know he's been going through MinIO was. I mean, um, it's it's easier than it used to be, but yeah. 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 See, Ceph is, Ceph is, Ceph would be designed for, I mean, that's, that's, that's an enterprise Ceph level product. Yeah. 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 That's, I, I want, I want a cluster of servers running Ceph so that I have S3 storage for all of this stuff that will never, ever, ever die. I don't care if MinIO falls over. Isn't that what everybody I just wants? stand a new one up and it rebuilds the cache. I don't care. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> we use red hat on everything else i just okay. you know that's cool so no so Seth that's been fun. Need a tam? Seth sounds like it's overkill for your use case probably i i do not um they probably have a tan they're big enough that they probably have a tam associated with them um it depends on which hat i'm currently wearing i i have i have <laughs> I have expanded my role into a lot of different hats at the moment. So, you know, the job has fired up quite a bit and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy every day. I'm not quite wall to wall meetings yet, but you know, that's, I can <laughs> feel that coming. So I put some stubs in the, the meeting note or yeah, the meeting notes, the show notes for MinIO and your compute board. If you want to throw in some links or something, that would be great. Okay. And I think we should move to the news. Otherwise, we're never going to finish the show. Yep. Yeah. That's so, the usual issue we have. So let's, let's do that. Here we go. All right. So our first news article for tonight. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of this guy. Um, maybe I should open the article, right? Just so I can, like, actually intelligently talk about it. I did actually read this article for a change. Uh, maybe you've heard of this guy named John McAfee. Either of you, you know that guy? Well, I know that that's garbage software on Linux that kernel panics one of my customers on a regular yeah. basis. <laughs> Linux so, doesn't get viruses. Why would you run that? Because you no, have info, you an InfoSec team that says you must it. run AV, right? Um, anyway. so that's what clam av is for yeah right it's what clam av is for yeah so I know john. john mcafee who yes created mcafee antivirus which i did not know this but i was reading there's a link in the show notes to a wikipedia entry for john mcafee and his life 
he looks kind of like a like kind of a weird version of Al Pacino. Kind of does. Anyway, um, did you know McAfee Antivirus was the first to market? I no. didn't know that. I didn't know that was like. I always f- heard. I always thought it was yes. Norton. So did I. I thought the same thing. I thought Norton. No, was the first no, to McAfee was first. McAfee, McAfee was first to market. Um, anyway, um, he only he he wrote the initial McAfee Antivirus, right? He, of course, ran it for a while, but it was like two or three years or something, according to the Wikipedia article. And then he just like basically said, I'm done with AV. I'm going to go do something else. But of course, the product already had a name and the people he sold it to kept the name. So the name has endured, I guess, for a brief stint. It was like Intel Security Suite or Intel Antivirus or something like that. Uh, And then (laughs) then McAfee was like, awesome. My name is no longer associated with the worst software on the planet, which is like literally, you can, he's quoted to say that, um, and then they changed it back to McAfee because it split back off of of Intel. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so so if you watch, uh, there's a there's a really I recommend everybody watch. It was such a great series called Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, um, was it the last season or the second last season? One one of the seasons of Halt and Catch Fire is sort of a dramatization of the start of McAfee. That's pretty cool. Interesting. That whole it's, based, it's based loosely on it. That whole series was a dramatization of various different high yes. points in the tech industry. Yes. And it is and really an awesome show. I watched up to like very, season very four, well done. I think. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I like um, Colton Catchfire. And if you ever can catch this, I forget whether it was a movie or a miniseries, Pirates of Silicon Valley. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. It's another good it was one. a movie. So seriously, though, if anybody wants to make a movie about a tech mogul's life, you should pick John McAfee, because if you read this Wikipedia article, it's like, holy crap, this man has done some insane things in his life, including uh, ending up in a Spanish prison. Yeah, good good luck making that movie and getting a rating less than X. Right, right. So um, long story short, he was in a Spanish prison because... He was apparently involved in a cryptocurrency, what do they call it, a pump and dump. I don't know what the specifics of a pump and dump scheme are, but he apparently committed one, which is bad in the U.S., and he fled, and he ended up in Spain, and he was in jail in Spain because he was caught there and put in jail. And he, I guess they finally had everything lined up to extradite him back to the U.S., and now, coincidentally, he's dead. I know that's like a very abrupt Oh, yeah, the, the internet is a light with conspiracy theories right now. Oh yeah. Because apparently a few hours after his reported death on his Instagram account, the letter Q shows up for QAnon. At least that's what everyone's speculating. (laughs) So who put it there or how, I don't know, but yeah. So now here we go. Right. (laughs) I have seen some, I have seen some, some conspiracy theories come out of people that I didn't expect to see that from. So, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. Everything from QAnon to he knows what actually happened to Epstein to, you know, <laughs> et cetera. Yeah. That's hilarious. So if you yeah. want to read a story, a real story of someone's life that involves murder and tragedy and um, lots of insane antics, go read the Wikipedia entry <laughs> for John McAfee. And allegedly 47 children. That's not in. Well, maybe it's maybe I didn't read that part of the Wikipedia. I didn't really read the personal section as deeply as I read some that's, of the background. But yeah, that's his personal claim. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's in the entry or not. Yes, uh, it is. 
He claimed in his Twitter feed to have 47 genetic children. There you go. John McAfee. Go on. He was like 75 or something from what I heard on the news. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he lived a long life. But now he's dead in a Spanish prison. I don't want to sound like I'm... uh, Allegedly. Allegedly dead in a Spanish prison. So, uh, yeah, apparently wanted for murder. Although I don't know why. So... In 2012, he he was accused, no, maybe not even accused, he was a person of interest in a murder investigation in, uh, was it Belize? Yeah. His his yeah. neighbor ended up dead, shot. And of course, he fled the police when they tried to uh, question him. So, you know, that doesn't look suspicious. He said that he's afraid of police and that he doesn't yep. trust police. You know, whatever. I guess there's valid reasons for not trusting the police, but uh, it sure does look suspicious when you flee the freaking country when they want to ask you about your neighbor's murder. Uh, But that was in 2012, but yet his history in the U.S. says that he was like the chairman of certain boards and stuff up as late as like 2019. Like, holy crap. Yeah, he ran for president for... uh, Ran for president in 2020. (laughs) And 2016, apparently. Uh, Did he run in 2020? Yeah, uh, he ran, I know he ran in 2016. It said 2016 and 2020 in the Wikipedia article. Oh. So, okay. yeah, pretty pretty crazy story of, of his life. Uh, he is now, I mean, un- Probably, I'm going to say uh, unfortunately well, I'm not, I'm just because like I, I don't, I don't want to see people die, right? So unfortunately, he's passed away. I'm going to say it that way. Some people may disagree with that particular uh, summarization, but... Well, I'm going to say it. McAfee might have been better than the one we got in 2016. (laughs) You could be right. (laughs) It might have been a better better 2016 through 2020 had we gotten John McAfee. (laughs) Yeah, pretty crazy story, though. So go go read the Wikipedia. He was was a libertarian, so, you know, 2016 to 2020 would have been an an awful lot of, uh, yeah, do do whatever you want. I don't care. Whatever, man. I'm fine. Can I can I just go back to my? Can you just like keep shipping me cocaine and we'll be happy? <laughs> keep the coke coming. What a crazy guy. So yeah, John McAfee's gone. The world is a little darker, I think. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our next article. This is from Ars Technica. Rocky Linux, which we have talked about several times Rocky. on the show since uh, since the supposed demise of CentOS, though if you really think it's demised, you should go listen to two shows ago when we had Rich on to talk about CentOS. It's not dead, damn it! Or CentOS. 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 <laughs> anyway. Um, Rocky Linux is apparently, uh, they, they hit their first general release. So uh, if you want a CentOS, CentOS, Mentos, CentOS, whatever. Um, a, rel, a rel downstream rebuild. And Alma's, Alma had their production release some time back. So they there's did. multiples now. Yep. In so, March, apparently. Yeah, yeah, back in March. So if you want oh, a right. rel downstream rebuild, you've got some options now, which yep. is good. Indeed. Now, uh, so this feels also reminiscent of like, I don't know, 10 years ago <laughs> when there were like a dozen uh, rel spinoffs. And then they all sort of went away. And then we had CentOS left. CentOS and Scientific Linux were really the two that were up at the end. And then Scientific mm. Linux peeled off or fell off when Rel 8 came out. And now it's happening again. <laughs> History will repeat itself. So anyway, Rocky Linux is out if you want to try it out. It's I the, haven't tried it or anything. I just found the article and thought it would be the worth the circle of open source. Or, yep. The circle of life. 
with CentOS Linux. No, the only thing that I hope doesn't repeat is that Red Hat doesn't do something stupid like decide to 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 purchase a downstream rebuild again. <laughs> that that and there were interesting technical reasons why we ended up in that business. A lot of them having to do with OpenStack. But yeah. I, I think we I think in some ways we regret it that move. So hopefully downstream stays community only. I'm sure the CentOS folks don't regret it. Hey, we made them buy their own software. Go us. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. All right. What's the next one I got here? Oh, Windows 11. Have you guys heard about Windows 11? I, I, I heard it was macOS. Do I care? So, so first of all, Microsoft told us Windows 10 was going to be the last release of Windows, and it was just going to get like point release updates from here on out. And now there's a Windows 11. What the hell? Yeah, Windows. Like, so. So, yeah, I, I, there was a lot of chatter about this. Windows 11 is nothing more than a point release of Windows 10. It really it's is. Ju- it's it's just, they just put a new face on it. It's the same yeah. thing underneath. Yeah. Now, and not only do I know that from, like, unless they plan on making a lot of changes, the leaked version of Windows 11 that was out there, a number of uh, security researchers grabbed it and ran all of their tools against it and all of the stuff that's broken in Windows 10 is broken in the exact same way in Windows 11? Well, I mean, of course it would be. So this is pretty friggin' hilarious because I I have my new work laptop that I nuked and put Fedora 34 on last week. Yeah. Windows 11, the desktop, it looks pretty much exactly like Gnome on Fedora 34. <laughs> yeah. And so that is that is tickling me. A there's bit. there's a couple things, at least the things I've picked up on from Windows 11 that that are like earth shattering in a windows world one of which and get this curved window edges the corners are curved i have curved corners <laughs> my yeah. corners are curved so, my, cur- my corners are curved so <laughs> no so my, my 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 new job that i have um unfortunately i was forced to uh take a windows laptop because that's what they support and that's what they want us to use uh-huh it's a laptop so of course I hook it up to an extra monitor mm-hmm. and every once in a while I have to disconnect my laptop to, you know, go outside of a cigar or, you know, whatever. Uh, and when I come back in, I plug it back in and it is the most infuriating experience. Oh, heck yeah. Ever. Because yeah. all of your windows that you had all arranged and everything all stay on the laptop. My, my and then you have to rearrange machine. everything. The machine that I'm doing the podcast on actually right now, I've talked about this plenty of times before, is a Windows 10 laptop. And I have a dock that came with my Red Hat ThinkPad, right, which is USB-C. The Lenovo laptop that I personally own also has USB-C. So I thought, huh, it's a Lenovo ThinkPad, Lenovo Legion. Maybe the dock will work. The dock, like 90% works. Half the time when I plug it back in, when it brings up the displays it'll detect one of them and not the other, and then it'll put the other one that it did detect to sleep. Or, have, or you don't have it stuck in mirror mode? Because every once in a while I get stuck in mirror it mode. It doesn't have it. If, it. if it manages to detect all the displays properly when I redock it, it puts everything back where it was. If it doesn't, what I have to do is turn off one display, plug it in, then it'll detect the other display and come up, then I can turn the other display back on again and everything comes up, but it puts it all on that window. 
that's so, great. So, so it's, it's like, flipping. It's like my 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 Linux desktop doesn't have this problem. I can undock it and redock it sixty-seven times in a day, and it always put the windows back where they were supposed and, to be on the extended and monitors. Linux, and Linux is not ready for the desktop. Right. 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 So, well, well, so this all comes up because I was I, I had heard about this a little bit previously, but I happen to be flipping through the Microsoft announcement today with all the bells and whistles and features and everything. And there was this lady that was explaining this new, absolutely breathtaking technology they have where when you're using your, your laptop, first of all, her explanation of why you have an external monitor was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I, I can't exactly remember what she was saying, but I just Is remember for, banging my head on the, on the desk. Is it for cat pictures? No, it was, it was like she had to just, and it was, you'd have to watch it. I, I, I didn't mean to, I couldn't even like react to it. It was so um, stupid that it was just like, even. I just sat there staring like, what the hell? <laughs> so she's like, yes. And when you pick up your laptop and you walk away, all of the, so this is apparently how this is going to work. And I, and I already see problems with this. So they're doing what they're calling um, uh, some sort of a group or something, projects or something like that, where everything that's on your external monitor, when you open your lap, when you disconnect your laptop will automatically Minimize. Oh, that's it. It just minimizes. Your laptop that's, stays the same as it is. That's helpful. everything that was on your external monitor minimizes. Because of course you would never want to use anything that was on your external monitor while you're walking away with your laptop. So I have no idea what happens if you open any of that up. But then she was going on about how when you plug your laptop back in, it'll automatically maximize everything exactly where it was in your monitor. And it, she's explaining this like it was a breakthrough in technology. And all I could do is sit here and think I've had that experience Every on my other Mac operating system for, does this already. <laughs> right. Like I, I can't remember when that didn't work. I, I haven't can... used windows in so long that I, I actually, I know I had multiple monitors on my last windows machine, but it wasn't a laptop and that's right. why I never had this problem. Yeah. So I never knew this really was a problem. So when I got the laptop and I started having this problem, I had to go look it up. I'm like, why Why isn't this working? And it was like, that doesn't exist on Windows. What? Well, I mean, I, I can tell you that when I when I undock my laptop, it happily takes all of my applications and moves them to the laptop display. And yeah. when I redock it, and it works, that's the big if. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it redetects both displays, it puts them back where they're supposed to be. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what my Mac does. The problem is like 98% of the time, it does not work properly and it loses all the window placement and it ends up just on the one main display, which happens to be the display. I always have trouble getting it to redetect. Yeah. So, I mean, the only neat thing that I really saw, like in addition to that was the grouping of, I'm not even sure how to explain it. I guess you, you like sort of tag or somehow like the, the apps that you're working on end up in a project group of some sort. So that project group is remembered okay. so that the next time you open that project group, all those apps appear in the same place. But I do that with the shell I, script on my Linux box. Yeah, I think Mac used <laughs> to do something similar to that years ago, and it kind of went away after a while because they just went, oh, why don't we just make all the apps do that all the time? And Weird. I, that's just sort of how it's been. Yeah. So the other the other thing that I saw on the uh, – um, that, that – <laughs> that my 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 Twitter feed went nuts over is uh, you're going to natively be able to run Android apps on your Windows 11 machine now. Oh, good. 
Yes. Good. So, so apparently we have a new follower. We do. Um, anyway, so so that means, of course, that now in addition to all of the Windows malware that you can get, you can also get Android malware. Congratulations. <laughs> Huzzah. That's just what we need. So, yeah, I mean, the article that I linked here is basically just a stub for us to talk about Windows 11. But the what the article's talking about is that people are alight complaining about this new feature of Windows 11, which is that it takes the start menu and puts it at the center of the taskbar instead of to the left-hand side of the taskbar where it's traditionally By default. been. By default, right? Yeah, so you can probably switch it, I'd, I'd imagine. There's a button. You push the button, and it goes back to where it used to be. I wonder if I can switch mine to the center right now on Windows 10. Then I'd have Windows 11, right? If you have Maybe the... I shouldn't mess with this. If you <laughs> oh, have the, uh, Insider... Windows. If, if you're a Windows Insider, which apparently is a thing you can just sign up for. Yeah. If you're a... Win, I'm sorry. It's a thing you can sign up for if your machine isn't controlled by the security mafia at your job. Okay. Um then you, tried you get this, a bunch of these features. No, well, I just know I, 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 I can't even get just Windows yes. subsystem for Linux. Just so say yes, say yes. You've tried. Um, yes, yes. I've tried. <laughs> Not this particular. I tried something that was useful and it didn't work. Okay. Anyway. Um, but Insider allows you to get a bunch of these features in advance. Remember, I said it was a Windows 10 upgrade. Yeah. Uh, a point release, rather. Yep. Um, so that may actually be in there already. Anyway, there's a screenshot in here that looks surprisingly. Like Mac OS's doc. <laughs> or GNOME. Or GNOME. No, GNOME doesn't put applications down there. GNOME puts them down the side. Unless GNOME... No, the current version of GNOME puts them in the middle. Okay. I didn't upgrade to Fedora 34 yet, so I don't have GNOME. I have a fresh build from GNOME last 40 week. It puts or whatever. them in the middle. I mean, I think you can move it if you don't like it there. But I kind of like it there, so I'm cool with it. It's funny that Apple, you know, had a, had a thought. Uh, what... 20 years ago? Is that when they put the dock in the center? Mm, it was Mac uh, OS X, so yeah. I don't yeah. know exactly how long OS X came out. Like, uh, late well, 90s, we're on, 1999, I think it was, or 2000. We just hit version 11, but it was 10. Dot, what was it? 10. Dot, no, we're at 11.5. It's got to be, it's, it's well over a decade. I can't even yeah. remember now. Oh, since OS X came out? No, that was yeah. that was the late nineties or early two thousands. Yeah. I was I remember where I was working when we got the first Mac that had OS X on it. Ten. No, it's yeah, OS X. It's X. I didn't I didn't come in till Snow Leopard, so No. Before anyway. that I was just uh, I was just looking at it from a distance going, I really want one of those. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Um I'm I'm very intrigued by the new M ones. My, I bought one for my wife. It's really nice. Yeah, I've heard they're great. I've heard that they rip through audio processing like nobody's freaking business, and they're getting there for video processing, and that really has me intrigued because my current quote-unquote gaming laptop does a decent job with video, but anything that would speed that up would make me very happy. Yeah, that everybody I've heard that has one says that they're unbelievably fast. Yeah. And they're, and they're working through the compatibility glitches that they had at launch, right? Certain applications just weren't ready for the the ARM architecture, and they're getting there. So, yeah. All right. So I think we've gone on long enough, folks. This is probably going to be an over two hour show tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> Are you? You don't want to talk about the ransomware? 
Okay, let's talk about the ransomware, but try to keep it under five minutes. How's that sound? I'll, I'll keep All it right. under five minutes. So, so it's a uh, so this wait. I got to do the the Nate thing. This is a uh, an article from Hacker News. Uh, oh, the last one was from Yahoo, Yahoo yeah. Entertainment. Oh, I see, uh, wormable dark radiation ransomware targets Linux and Docker instances. So, what's interesting about this is uh, to me anyway is you know this is it's it's sort of this whole you know oh my god there's going to be ransomware on Linux boxes. Um, no kidding. Uh, this one specifically targets Red Hat and Debian distros. Um, and target is an interesting designation here. Um, the only reason they can say it really targets it is because that it's a bash script that happens to use uh, yum and I think it uses APT for installing packages that are missing. Now, uh, here's the thing about this worm. For it to work, it needs to be on the system. You have to be root. To, and you have to be root. Yeah. So it's bullshit because at that well, point. Well, yeah, I was getting any, there. It, they're calling it a worm. There's no attack vector. Yeah. Like it's it's a script that is written that if you happen to run it as root, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> but if you happen to run it as root, it will encrypt your system. Okay, wonderful. But then it's done. It doesn't go anywhere because there's no attack vector. Uh, there's no propagation. Is what you're, how yeah, can it be just, a worm then? How can they call it a worm? I don't understand how they're... Uh, it's wormable, I guess. Anything's wormable, though. So Yeah, with the proper whatever. automation. Yeah, so so the, the interesting bit... It's presented really wrong in this article. Um, but terrible. the interesting part of it is that they're watching them real-time update the script as they're, you know, because they've found multiple versions of this at this point, and they're watching them write the script. Um, the first couple versions of the script had built in uh, username and passwords that were hard-coded. That's starting <laughs> to change. Okay. Um, so it, it's it's interesting to see it being iterated upon. Um, but, you know, trying to get a signature on that is going to be rough because it's Bash. Right. Just change a character. You can. You, there's no compiling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you were going to do it and you were going to send it into the wild as a as as a worm, and it was written in Bash, I would have it rewrite itself and just put random characters in some place in the script. Poof! You change the signature. Yay! Like right. But the point is, it's it's harmless unless it's run as rude. So yes. you that either means well, there's no either. It's harmless unless it runs as root, so you would need a moronic system administrator to to, to actually make well, it do anything. It's not it's not harmless. If you run it as a regular user, I'm sure it will encrypt all of the files that you have access to. And what you know, so it's gonna harm you. Okay. But you know, so so if you find it on your system, don't run it. But you know, it's not gonna be able to do any system wide damage unless it's running as root. The point is, unless someone unless someone convinces you to run it, it's 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 like it's not something that gets Currently. on the system. It's not something that gets on the system and then runs itself. Right. You, you actually would need to. You would actually need to have it on the system. It would need to have execution privileges. Yep. And then you would need to actually execute it. Right. So it. The, the 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 article you know clutches it they they kind of clutch their pearls 
and make a big deal out of nothing because I, any of us on this podcast could write a script that is an evil, destructive worm. That has to be run as rude. That has to be run as rude. I mean, sys administrators do that shit accidentally every day. I have day. an evil worm but that runs would... rm-rf slash, but, you, but can't. Was... you have to take this and run it as root. Right. <laughs> I would argue that you can't have a worm until you've added that part where it's going to send where itself it's somewhere propagate. else. Yeah, so, right. So, so if it's it not propagating, be, it's not a worm. It yeah, might I, be malware, but it's certain, yeah, it, might so, be, it might be ransomware in the right. loosest sense, so I, but it's not a worm. I guess my, my question is, are they calling it wormable because there's a reasonable uh, assumption that it could become a worm? Or is it just I, for the headline? It's, I think it's the headline. I mean, I it's, it, it's a moron wrote the article. I mean, the Hacker News isn't usually bad with that. Like, well, usually they they're pretty time. good. This time, maybe they were. They failed. Yeah, so it's, they, it's, they rolled their persuasion check, and they rolled a one. Yeah, it's, it's maybe, a script that's it's smart a... enough. It's a script that's smart enough to understand whether or not it wget, curl, and OpenSSL are installed on the machine. Ooh. Why you need both wget and curl, I'm not sure, but whatever. And if they're not there, it installs them. And then Ooh. it ransomwares things. It's I mean, smart. Like, it's intelligent. Yeah. It installs yes. the stuff it it's needs. It's wormable. Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's that's. You know. Yeah, you're right. So and, until there's a propagation factor, until there's a way that it can propagate itself, then right, it's, it's not the worm. Right. If you right. if you suddenly can't log into your system, try logging in with your username and mega password, since apparently that's what it's going to overwrite all these system passwords with. Mega password. That's where I get all mega my password. From. Mega. Yeah, it's it's, but I you know it's it's worth mentioning that people are somebody at least is out there actively working on stuff like this. Why it's written in Bash, I don't know. Action. And the yeah. fact that it's attacking Docker has me a little intrigued. Well, the Docker part of it, I don't know that I understand. Yeah, I don't than, really see where they bring that out, other than uh, other than like Bash happens to run in Docker sometimes, so maybe yeah. it could run there. Again, the article is written by someone who doesn't get it. And you know yeah. what? If, you, if you're the person who wrote that article and you want to come on the Iron Sys admin yeah. and tell us why we're all, why we're all idiots and, you've made a, and, and your article was brilliant, please drop, be, get here. <laughs> get here. So the, there is a section in the article that talks about worm-spreading functionality, but I don't, I don't have the time to read this on, on air. No, I'm tired. <laughs> we should be done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so right this has been a fun show let me get back to my notes somewhere buried here in the uh, the pile mm. of tabs that i've opened while opening up the stuff here all right folks it's been fun tonight i hope you enjoyed mark's story the the ballad, the ballad above, above the mark, the mark. <laughs> i'm gonna title the episode that <laughs> you should the ballad of uncle mark if you want to watch us live you can do so on the second and fourth thursday roughly of every month um, you can subscribe, of course, on both, uh, YouTube and do they call it subscribe on, on Twitch? I suppose so. Whatever you can yeah. do the Twitch <laughs> thing. Follow. Follow. There you go. Um, so you can watch this, this train wreck happen live every second and fourth Thursday of the month. Ironsysmen.com will get you to both YouTube or Twitch. There's items in the menu there. You can go find it. If you want to join our community and give us direct feedback, uh, you can do so on Discord. That's uh, you can also find that on ironsystem.com under the how to reach us section of the site. 
If you want to find us on the social media, you can do so on Facebook or Twitter. Just look for the Iron System in Podcast, and you should be able to find us. Um, if you want to support the show, you can do so via Patreon, patreon.com slash ironsysadmin, or you can go buy merch on Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash ironsysadmin. There's links for all this stuff in case you didn't catch all that or you're driving or something. And uh, I think that's everything, folks. You guys got any final thoughts? Eh. Eh. I'm going to see if Sailor Moon we finished good. printing. So what what we need is a what we need is a fourth window that sits and watches your print while we're while we're while we're recording the show. (laughs) I'd buy merch for that. It's still going. It's still printing. It hasn't died yet. It's further than it's ever gotten. It's going to die as soon as we're off the show. No, as soon as I go to sleep tonight, if it's not done before bedtime, it's going to fail. The moment That's I go when to they bed. stab you in the back. That's when it happens. Yes, but of course it's going to fail the proper way, in which case it's going to spit out as much uh, filament as it possibly can between where it was <laughs> and the, the end of the print. <laughs> the one time it failed, right? So what happens is the, the drive gear wears through the filament, right? And then you end up with filament that's cut off, right? Oh, yeah. I've well, had that happen with crappier filament. Well, what happened is it wore it off but then it continued to pull the filament through and the filament ended up coming out the side of the extruder and made this big spiral <laughs> coming off the back. <laughs> it wasted, I don't know, maybe three yards of filament overnight. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's the 3D printer version of the milk there, went through, up your nose. There's some pretty crazy. There's some pretty crazy failure modes because yeah. I've seen some prints where all of a sudden mid print, it decided that the print should be, I don't know, three inches to the left. <laughs> and they continue printing uh just a pile of spaghetti yeah and no it 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 it, it kind of worked its way out to where it was printing three inches to the left so you've got like perfect 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 you had an it area where it was like it, it yeah it steps its way over and it's like really weird looking and then the rest of the prints on top and you're like what the- that's weird okay how's that even all right, folks, if you tuned in live, thank you for watching. We still got a, fo- a couple folks straggling here, it looks like, unless that's just you guys uh, watching us, both uh, Jason and Mark. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. We'll catch you next time, folks. Thanks for watching, and I got to find the right thing here. All right. Good night, everybody. Night, all. Peace. Later.